If you will, please take your Bibles and turn to uh, turn to the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 1, Jonah chapter 1. It's good to be back um, here with you all. Um, the worship at General Assembly was wonderful, but um, I keep reminding myself there's nothing like the worship of your home church. Um, it's great to be with brothers and sisters in the Lord from other churches and to hear them sing and to worship alongside of them. That was spectacular. There's about 6,000 of us at any one time in the worship service. But even to come here and to hear your voices and, and to fellowship with you, there's something um, that God, God has ordained with the local church that's just wonderful and special and beautiful that cannot be replicated elsewhere. And so um, thank you all for being here. Thank you all for always singing out and always um, uh, participating in worship. It's, it's always a blessing every time I'm here. Of course, I get paid to be here, but let's not confuse that with the facts. Um, I'd like to think that if I wasn't, I would still be, and of course I would be. Uh, you all are, are wonderful. You're not perfect. I don't expect you to be, but, um, but I could tell the Lord's Spirit working in and among you. And that's really important to me and special to me as your pastor. Jonah chapter 1. Um, as you know, we're starting a new series uh, in the book of Jonah as we continue our series on spiritual maturity. Um, Jonah chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 1 through 3. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Well, all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. And this is the word that will be taught unto you. Amen and amen. Let us pray. O blessed Holy Spirit, indeed, this is your word, and these are your people. Holy Spirit, enliven them. Holy Spirit, take your word and knit it to their hearts. They need you. They need the sweet presence that you provide. Help them to see that in your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Bless now the preaching of your word. May it do what only the preaching of your word can do. Afflict and heal. In Jesus' precious holy name, amen and amen. For the last several weeks, I would say even several months, I've been studying the book of Jonah. And, um, and I've been chomping at the bit, as it were, to teach Jonah, to, 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 to bring the word of God to bear in Jonah's life. And, and let me say this, actually, from the very beginning. Jonah is not about the fish. Right? That's what, I know that's what everybody 
um, think Jonah's about. When you think about Jonah, you think about the fish. But Jonah is not about the fish. Jonah is also not about the Ninevites or the Assyrians. Jonah isn't even about Jonah. He's just the occasion to talk about something that I think is important, that all of us need to hear, and it's this. Jonah is all about how the Lord God, the Lord God Almighty, matures spiritually immature Christians. That's what the book of Jonah is about. The book of Jonah is about how God takes spiritually immature people and relentlessly pursues them in order to make them spiritually mature. Jonah is a book, is a parable about what us as Reformed people call semper reformanda. In other words, how you and I should always be reforming. There is an aspect of coming to church, of being a part of the people of God, in which you and I must be confronted by sin. We must be confronted by the holy God. When you come into worship, what happens? You're confronted with God. The, the whole time you were here, what were you being confronted by as you come into worship? You came and you were confronted by the God of heaven, his majesty, his glory, his righteousness, his holiness. That's what you were confronted with. And in the face of that, what happens? You see the fact that you are unholy. And you see the fact of how much you need him. How much you desperately need him. Not even a little bit. You didn't come here today to get a little bit of Jesus. Get like a fill up so you can leave. That's not why you came here. You came here to be confronted by the holy God of Israel. You came here to be confronted by a holy God who loves you. And who desires for you to be in union and communion with him. And as you came inside here today, he wants to change you. And one of the things that Jonah demonstrates to us is that all of us are broken. And deep down, all of us are spiritually immature. We have parts of our hearts that are walled off to the world that we don't show anyone. And what happens is that God exposes that through example, through his word, and through other means. And as these things begin to be exposed, our spiritual immaturity is exposed as well. And as a result of that, God steps in with his love and with his grace. And he heals us. You think Jonah is the only person that runs from the word of the Lord? No. We run too. In fact, we're always running. That's the point of scripture. We always do err. We always flee from the presence of the Lord because it exposes us. It shines a light on our hearts and minds. And you know what? The Bible is still true. Man hates darkness. He prefers it rather than light. And what does Jonah do? Jonah shows how God exposes us in the deepest recesses of our hearts and minds and reminds us of the awful tendencies of our hearts and our deep need for him. That's the purpose of Jonah. It's to take all of us who are running away and to lovingly bring us back. Now, how is Jonah's spiritual immaturity shown? This is the bedrock of actually the book of Jonah. How his spiritual immaturity is shown. And his spiritual immaturity is shown in two ways. And we see it right up front in the book. 
First of all, his spiritual immaturity is shown by the fact that he misunderstands the word of the Lord, verse number one and two. But his spiritual immaturity is also shown in that he misunderstands grace, verse number three. And hear me today. Every time your spiritual immaturity is demonstrated and shown, it is shown in those two areas. A fundamental misunderstanding of the word of the Lord and a fundamental misunderstanding of his grace toward you and what he's doing in the lives of others around you. Mark my words. As I read the book of Jonah, I was shocked. I was dismayed at the fact that every time in my life spiritual immaturity is manifested, it was manifested in these two areas. And I have been around Christians long enough to see that it's manifested in your life as well. Every single time you run away from God, it's because you misunderstand the word of the Lord and you misunderstand the grace of God in your life and in the life of others. That's what we're confronted with. And I hope you don't run away from this book. I hope you read it at least once a week, maybe more, right? Commit yourself to reading through Jonah with the lens that I've just given you. A profound misunderstanding of the word of the Lord and a profound misunderstanding of God's grace. I promise it will bless your socks off. It will. It did me. It did me. Okay, enough talking. Let's just dive in. Okay? A misunderstanding of the word of the Lord. Notice immediately in verse number one and two. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Now pause for a moment. In your Bible, the word Lord should be in all caps. Why, why is it in all caps? Because it is the word Yahweh. It's the covenant name of the Lord. Now every time the word of the Lord comes to the people of God, most times you will see it capitalized in the Old Testament because that's the covenant name of the Lord being used. Yahweh's name is coming to that. Now, put a thumbnail in that because that's so important as we move forward. The word of Yahweh came to Jonah, and he tells Jonah, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. I'll explain that text more in a little bit, but please see See this very important fact. The word of the Lord, the word of Yahweh came to Jonah. And immediately those that are reading Jonah see the irony here. Here's the irony. The word of the Lord comes to the prophet. And what does the prophet do? He runs away from it. It's his job to receive the word of the Lord. It's his job to take in the word of the Lord and do what God has called him to do. And here he is fleeing from it running away. This is incredibly ironic. And they were completely shocked. Anyone reading this text, and by the way, you who are reading this text should be completely shocked by this. Why is he running away from the Lord? Why is he fleeing the presence of the Lord? Could it be because he looks and he knows about Nineveh? Nineveh is, was, a, was a terrible city. It was the ISIS of its day. If, in fact, Jonah was probably thinking, if I go there, right, as some scholars say, if I go there, he would be killed immediately. So some say that Jonah fleed from the presence of the Lord because of fear. But that's not why Jonah fleed from the presence of the Lord. Jonah did not flee from the presence of God's of, of presence of the Lord and his word because of fear. Jonah actually tells us why he fleed from the presence of the Lord. And I promise you, it's shocking. 
go to Jonah chapter 4, verse number 2. Jonah tells us why he flees from the presence of the Lord. Jonah says this. In verse number 1, it says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry that God had, had, uh, that the Ninevites had repented. And notice what Jonah says in verse number 2. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I, know, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Put a circle around verse number two, highlight it, and put lines underneath it. Because Jonah's heart is being exposed in a way all of our hearts need to be exposed. And here's why. This is so good, right? This is so good. Oh, my goodness. I wish I had more time to unpack this, but I'll simply say it like this. This is amazing. Okay, let me calm down. What is Jonah doing here? What is Jonah doing here? Here's what Jonah's doing. Jonah's saying this. Jonah quotes Exodus chapter 34, right? He says, I know you're a God, a God who's merciful and gracious, slow to, uh, abound, uh, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Here's what Jonah's saying. Jonah's saying, God, I know when your word came, your covenant name came, I know what you were trying to do. You see, in Exodus chapter 34, God appears to Moses right after the golden calf incident. And he is, he is going to Moses and he's telling, Moses says, God, forgive us, and, and, and God forgives them. And he says, God, show me your name. Show me who you are towards us. And what happens? God comes to him and he says, I am your God. I'm your covenant-keeping God who's merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He says, my, my primary orientation toward you, God's covenant people, is to forgive you and to love you and to bring you in the covenant. Even when I'm disciplining you, even when my word comes against you, it's for your good. That's what Jonah knew. So when the word of the Lord came to Jonah about the Ninevites, here's what Jonah said. Are you kidding me? You are our God. You are our covenant God. Your name is upon us. Your love is upon us. And you want to give it to those pagans. You gave us your name. It belongs to us, the children of Israel. And here you are now telling me, these Ninevites, these awful men and women, see, the, the Ninevites were not, the Assyrians were not choir boys. They were wicked. They would dismember their, their captives. They would fillet them. The Bible says that they would cut off their heads and put it on poles and have their relatives walk through the city with them. These were evil, wicked people, and Jonah was shocked that God would put his covenant name, his blessing on those pagans. So hear me today. Jonah didn't actually have a problem with the word of the Lord. Jonah had a problem with the way the covenant name was being applied. Look, here's the power behind that statement. As I talk to unbelievers, as I talk to people who are atheists, I talk to people who don't come to church, I talk to people all the time who have issues with God. 
they actually don't have a problem with the word of God. You talk to them. They love the concept of God's love. They love the fact that God loves the sinner. They don't have a problem with concepts like grace and forgiveness. They actually don't have a problem with with concepts such as uh, God's justice. They don't have a problem with the fact that the Bible talks about social, uh, social justice or caring for the poor or feeding the poor. They don't have a problem with the word of the Lord. Their problem is that they have, a, they have an issue with how it applies to them. And let me say this. Your problem isn't necessarily that you don't like the word of the Lord. Your problem is you don't like when the word of the Lord applies to you. See, everyone loves forgiveness when it's applied to them. But all of us have a little problem when we need to forgive others. No one really has a problem with truth. We like the concept of truth. As long as we're the ones being told the truth. But boy, don't we struggle to tell the truth to others. No one has a problem with being loved. They love to be loved, right? Everyone inside you would love to be loved. Um, Even, we would say, love the way we are. But where do we have the problem? When we're called to love people that are unlovable. Dig down deep into the recess of your heart and see this, that your fundamental problem is that you get upset with God when the word of God is applied to you in a way you don't like. And that's Jonah's problem. Jonah memorized Exodus 34. He knew it. He could quote it verbatim. He knew it back and forth. He didn't have a problem when it was applied to Israel. In fact, his job was to prophesy peace and love and God's deliverance to Israel. You could go to 2 Kings and see that. That was his job. So God wasn't asking Jonah to do anything that Jonah hadn't already done. He was not asking Jonah to do anything that was beyond his capabilities of doing. The problem that Jonah had was that his word, God's word, God's covenant name, was being applied to non-covenantal people. And Jonah's problem is also our problem. We do not like when God's word is applied to us and to others in a way we don't think it should be applied. And beloved, let that sink in. Because when we don't understand God's word, and how it applies to others around us, and our deep need, and how it must be applied to us. When we don't understand that, we do the exact same thing that Jonah does in this passage, and that is flee from the presence of the Lord. And what does it mean that Jonah is fleeing from the presence of the Lord? It means he doesn't want God's word to be applied to those sinful, wicked Ninevites. Look, one of the signs of spiritual maturity, one of the key signs of spiritual maturity is this, that we are able to apply the word of the Lord equally to our hearts in the same way we apply to the hearts of others. When Jesus came to earth, Jesus, when Jesus came to earth, this is what separated Jesus' ministry from the Pharisees. When Jesus came to earth, Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, to do away, from the, do away with the law. No, Jesus said, I've put myself under the law. That's what Paul said in Galatians, right? 
He said that Jesus was born under the law. He was born subject to the law. In other words, he did everything that the Lord, the, the law demands. He put himself underneath the authority of the law. The problem with the Pharisees is that they wanted everyone else to obey the law except themselves in certain parts. They were spiritually immature. But what separated Jesus is that Jesus was willing to put himself underneath the word of the Lord and applied it equally. And beloved, that's what you and I are called to do. That when we're confronted with God's word, we don't run away from it. We allow it to do what it calls us to do. If God's word said love the sinner, it means that we ought to love everyone who is a sinner, regardless of who they, who they are and what they've done. Jonah misunderstood that. He thought that God's love and God's word should only be applied to the Israelites, not to the Ninevites. And we ought to be careful that the same thing is not true of us. Now the second thing, real quickly, he misunderstands God's grace. Notice with me in verse number three. It said that Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. And so he paid a fare and went down to it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. What's happening in this passage? Here's what's happening in verse number three. Jonah was supposed to be an instrument of God's uh, justice. He was supposed to be an instrument of God's grace, but instead Jonah wanted to be an instrument of God's judgment to the people of Nineveh. That's what he wanted. He would have loved to have the job that Nahum had. Remember Nahum? Nahum actually prophesied against um, Nineveh. He, wanted, he would have loved to have that job. He would have loved to have the job of Amos, who prophesied against pagan, uh, other pagan kings. He would have loved that job. But he didn't love the job that God had called him to, which was to go to the Ninevites and preach repentance and forgiveness. That's the job he did not want, and that's the job that he was running from. And because of that, he got caught in a cycle of sin. Let me tell you this. Whenever we misunderstand God's grace and we run away from what God is calling us to do, we get further and further into sin, a cycle of sin that's very hard to be broken. I once heard a pastor um, preaching or teaching, can't remember now, but he said something that stood out to me. This is what he said about sin, and this is so powerful. I remind myself of this often. He said this. He said, sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin will cost you more than you're willing to pay. I'll say that one more time. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin will cost you more than you're willing to pay. And all three of those things are true of Jonah. Actually, if you take that, you could superimpose that on a whole group of people. Adam and Eve, Israel, Samson, Judas, all the way through. Look at how this is true of Jonah. First of all, sin took him further than he wanted to go. Notice in our text, three times it mentions that Jonah fleed, from, fleed to Tarshish, or his desire was to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. What does that mean? Why is that so significant? Let me say it like this. Imagine that Jonah lived in the Midwest. 
right? And imagine that uh, where God wanted them to go, Nineveh was on the west coast, or was on the east coast. Tarshish is on the west coast. Jonah was running as far away from what God wanted him to do than he can possibly run. In fact, Tarshish was known as the end of the world at that time. It was in Spain. And of course, Nineveh was in Iraq somewhere. So he was going to the ends of the earth to escape God. That's what sin does. It takes us further than we want to go. It sinks us deeper and deeper, further and further away from God. Now, Jonah grew up memorizing Psalm 139. He knew there was no way to, that he could flee from the presence of the Lord. But here is Jonah running. He's, he has such an aversion to the word of the Lord that Jonah actually is running from the presence of the Lord. So sin will take us further than we want to go. But also know that sin keeps us longer than we want to stay. How is that seen in the text? Notice how the text constantly talks about Jonah going down. Down. In verse number three, it says he went down to Joppa. Then it mentions that he went, in verse number three, he went down to the ship. And then it mentions later on in verse number five that he laid down and fell asleep, a sign of spiritual apathy. Later in chapter number two, it mentions that he went down into the belly of the whale. What is the text trying to tell us? It's trying to tell us that Jonah sank deeper and deeper into the bondage of his sin. Rather than committing his way to the Lord, he fell deeper and down, more down. He stayed in the bondage of sin instead of being free from sin and repenting and doing what the Lord has called him to do. He went away from the Lord. But the third thing is this, is that sin cost him way more than he was willing to pay. Look with me in verse number three. It said that after Jonah went to Joppa, he found a ship going to Tarshish. And it said, so he paid a fare and went down into it. That word paid a fare has the idea that Jonah gave up everything that he had. See, travel in the ancient Near East was not cheap. Jonah sold every single possession that he had. He gave up everything that he had to flee from the presence of the Lord. Jonah gave up his livelihood. He gave up, he probably sold his home. Um, he probably sold the covenant land. In many ways, Jonah was like the younger brother in the story of the prodigal son, where he sold everything in order to get away from the presence of the father. Everything. Jonah lost it all, all because sin had, take, had started to cost him more than he was willing to pay. Jonah's refusal, Jonah's refusal to be used as an instrument of the Lord cost him everything. And hear me today, beloved. Sin will always cost more than obedience. Disobedience always costs more than obedience. Always. There's never a time where it's easier to sin than it is to follow the word of the Lord. Never. If you're thinking, even in the immediate, you know, even in the immediate, this sin, right, gives me some relief, you are believing a lie of Satan. Sin always costs more than obedience. In the short term and in the long term. 
And Jonah further misunderstands the grace of God because he thinks that only the children of Israel needs God's grace, but that's not true. The children of Israel, yes, they needed God's grace because they were idolaters. But you know what? Jonah also needed God's grace because he was a prideful, selfish bigot who hated the Ninevites rather than submitting to what God had called him to do. But of course, the Ninevites needed grace as well because the Bible says here in verse number two, their evil went up before the Lord. Literally, it means that disaster was about to come on the Ninevites because of their sin. Disaster was supposed to come on them as a result of their sin. And the word of God says that God loved the Ninevites so much that he did not want disaster to come upon the Ninevites because of their sin. And so he was sending them Jonah. And Jonah refused. Now as we end here, I want to put something before you that really struck my heart. And here it is. As I thought about this text, I thought deeply and long about this text. And I realized something that really shook my heart. And here it is. Jonah was asked to do the same thing that Jesus was asked to do. Arson came up before heaven. Arson did. And we were helpless and unable to do anything about our sin. And yet, the Lord sent Jesus. Jesus didn't run from the mission that God had placed before him. In fact, the exact opposite. The Bible says he set his face towards doing what God had called him to do. He longed for it. He loved it. He pursued it. That's what Jesus did. Because he wanted to redeem a sinful people who were, un- who were unable to redeem themselves. And because of that, the Bible says that we were the beneficiaries of that. Now we have been made holy and righteous because our unrighteousness came upon Jesus Christ and he gave us his righteousness. And now we could sit here today and worship and proclaim the name of the Lord as those that have been redeemed and washed clean. That's the beauty of the gospel. And all of us celebrate that, right? All of us are excited about that because we've been redeemed. But isn't it ironic that Jonah ran from that? If I were to pull away the recesses of Jonah's heart, Jonah says, I knew that you would forgive them and love them. But because Jonah was filled with so much hate, because Jonah's heart was so far away from the Lord, Jonah did not want to be used in that way. He was willing that each and every person in Nineveh die and are wiped away rather than being used of God to be an instrument of grace. And what's sad to me is that whether we do it intentionally or unintentionally, there's so many of us in this room, so many Christians across our land that would rather stay in their impurity They would rather stay in their sin. They would rather flee from the presence of the Lord in their wickedness and their rebellion than turn to the Lord and be used as an instrument of grace. Beloved, hear me today. I don't know what sin has gotten your heart, and I don't know what you're running from, but God wants to use you as an instrument of his grace in the world. And the only way that he can do that 
is that if you repent and you go before him with hearts willing to go and do whatever he has called you to do, running will not do. Fleeing from the presence of God will not do because he will find you and he will cause you to do what he has, what he has originally planned for you to do. There's no running away from him. Repent and receive forgiveness so that you and others may taste the sweetness of what it means to be in union and communion with your Savior. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Father, what a powerful reminder. What a powerful reminder for all of us of what Jesus has done for us and what we often don't want to do for others. Oh, Lord God, I, I beg you, I plead with you, please break, break our rebellion. Help us not to run from you, but run towards you. As James says, draw nigh to God so he might draw nigh to you. Lord, we are just like Jonah. We love to run from your presence, from your word, from your calling. We run in so many different ways. We hide our sin. We make excuses for our sin. We live in spiritual lethargy. But break that, O oh Lord. Expose the inner recesses of our heart. May we be a people that repent and flee to you so that we may do your will towards anyone you called us to do it. Uh, bless us now in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen and amen.